Maybe Morgan dressed like Wolverine Maybe Dave ate his way out of trouble Maybe Dustin's diorama came in last Maybe Morgan tunneled out of jail Maybe Dustin ran for council member Maybe Dave found himself horribly miscast Find out what happened Yes, find out what happened Since when last we left our Welcome to Unless We Left Our Podcast, a bi-weekly storytelling podcast hosted by me, Morgan Pielli. Me, Dave War. And me, Destiny Adato. Each week we tell true life stories inspired by the events that happened to us since the last time we recorded this podcast. When last we left our podcast, Dave wondered if he's a New Yorker. Dustin asked for help and sort of got it. Morgan grappled with mortality. This week, Morgan hates Halloween. Dave reaches the end of his marathon training. And Dustin talks about doing a podcast about podcasts on our podcast. <laughs> it's going to eat itself. Oh, uh, no. I, I can levels feel, and levels. I can feel my legs extending into a tail that is wrapping <laughs> around towards my own mouth. I can taste time. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've pushed us into another dimension. I, I haven't even told this story yet. I know. It's already twisting the very fabric of reality. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you look on iTunes, it says infinite for the amount of... <laughs> we are not getting a lot of hits because of that. Yeah. People think it's very long. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start with my tale of daring do. Oh, um, so, Halloween, guys. Fuck that noise. <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, I'm with you. I- I'd love it if you were just like, all right, now, Dave, your turn. Done. <laughs> My- I'm dropping all of your microphones. Move away from the table. I'm tipping it over. Um, no, I have a- I've always had a very love-hate relationship with Halloween. It's both my very favorite holiday because who doesn't love grim things and dressing up and being creative? But it's also and my candy and candy. Well, that's also becoming part of my the reason why it's also my least favorite fucking holiday. The candy because of denture, dental dentures. You know my dentures. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah old yeah. man Morgan. Old man Morgan. <laughs> no, because I I destroyed my teeth with sugar and whatnot over the years. So now it's always that that game of am I going to have fillings this time, which I hate. But that's not my story. That's just. You know, old man Morgan. Old man Morgan. Right. The slow, crumbling facade of Morgan's mm. face. Yes. Is that why your teeth are in a cup on the table? Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> I like to soak them in juice for a little while. <laughs> I just think <laughs> nice and coated with sugar. I just like to shake that cup of kids running <laughs> <Yeah>. by. <laughs> and take their skateboards and <laughs> take their hoverboards, whatever the kids are doing. So I, actually, I saw a bunch of the hoverboards at Halloween, which made me angry and made me want to punch people. So, all right. <laughs> Here's right. no okay okay old man. Let me let me go off on the hoverboard thing for a second. Okay, it is brilliant marketing because but it's I, not a hoverboard. I know, and I hate that. I hate that they've taken our word, our nerd culture's word <laughs> for what the future should have had, and applied to this. But the thing is, I would there's like, I would like you to stop referring it to it as our word. Our, is that all right? <laughs> and just yeah, that feels like we're that, getting trouble. You can have that one. Okay, great. It's my word now. Nobody can touch it. So no, it's brilliant marketing because. There's no other word for what that stupid thing is. So anytime I want to talk about it or even think about it, I have to use hoverboard because I we're humans. We need words. We need to catalog. (laughs) It's brilliant. Sorry. That's my tangent on the hoverboard. Anyway. Okay. Halloween, guys. Let's get down to brass tacks. Hate, ha- Halloween. hate, hate Halloween. Hoverboards. Hate hoverboards and Halloween. No, I hate Halloween because I, I've always had this fear of looking foolish ever since I was very, very young. Um, and I think, I mean, part of it comes out of just being like a gawky short kid who got picked on a lot. Um, and part of it is because my mom had weird ideas about child rearing, uh, when we were in grade school through all through middle school up into early high school, she insisted that during the winter months in uh, Connecticut, we were to wear saddle shoes and corduroy pants because she firmly believed that this was warmer clothing than jeans and cloth sneakers, like thick insulating cloth is in some way colder than a thin layer of leather. It was the worst. So I was not only cold all the time, but everyone was picking on me because I looked like a weirdo, like I'd come from some sort of a cult. Also, corduroy pants make the most horrible feeling and sound when they rub. And I was always acutely aware of that. So that was, I think, the beginning of just being... Sticking out like a sore thumb was the worst thing. And it got really bad in middle school to the point where, and this is so sad, but I 
desperately wished I could go unnoticed to just be completely unseen and like no one would ever pay attention to me. That was like my firmest wish was to just disappear um, and just kind of blend in and be a normal to be one of the normals. Um, The problem with Halloween is that the very point of it is to stick out like everyone has a costume and you're all coming up with your own costume. So there's originality at play. There's the expectation of wearing a costume. Um, the worst element of that is the work Halloween. Like when you have to work on Halloween, because that adds another dimension of the appropriateness of, do I go in costume? How much costume do I wear? Do I wear a costume on the way to my work? Am I going to look like a weirdo at... 9 a.m., 8.30 a.m. on the train in a full costume? Do I change when I get there? Is that going to look weird? Um, and I didn't really have to worry that, about that until I got out of college. Uh, the first, my very first experience with that was uh, my first job out of college was at a Kinko's, um, which was terrible. And when Halloween started to roll around, the people I worked with kept saying like, Oh man, you know, Halloween, it's a big deal at this Kinko's man. We really go all out for Halloween. We love Halloween here. So I felt this weird pressure of like, okay, well I've got to come up with a costume. Like, and I guess I got to go all out. So I put together this Groucho Marx costume that was like, you know, I wore the suit with like the big floppy tails and I had the tie and I painted the grease paint eyebrows and mustache on. And I showed up to the Kinko's at like, I think my shift started at one in the afternoon and Two of the people were wearing funny wigs, and that was it. <laughs> I was the only one in, like, a full costume. And I hadn't brought another change of clothes. So that was it for eight hours. And I can't wash off the face paint because that's, like, otherwise then I'm just a weird guy in a suit who looks like he <laughs> wandered in from a, a wake. <laughs> so I had to keep the grease paint on, which was really itchy, and I felt like an ass. Guys, I just felt like a giant ass. And I was so... That was the first time I was really, really... Well, it's not the first time I was really depressed about Halloween, but it was perhaps the most potent. Um, And so I've always been really leery of when people say, like, oh, man, Halloween's a really big deal here. So now, I, all these years later, I currently work at a publishing company. And my first year there, as Halloween rolled around, what did people start saying? But... Halloween's a really, we go all out for Halloween here, you know, just, you know, hope you have a costume. And I kind of knew better. So like, I had to weigh the pros and cons. Like I've got to come up with a costume, but it's got to be something that's comfortable. It's got to be something that I can kind of keep on the DL. If it turns out it's not a big deal here, something I can change in and out of something along those lines. Cause I, again, I don't want to be stuck on the subway in a full costume. I'm going to look like an idiot. I don't want to show up to work in a full costume if nobody else is. So I had bought like a yellow shirt that I, and I, I printed out stickers, so it, I turned into like a Captain Kirk uniform. And then I wore a sweatshirt over that. So I got to work and I had my costume on. If anyone, when anyone came up to me like, hey, what's your costume? I like zipped my sweat. It was like one with a hoodie sweatshirt. So I zipped it down. Like I showed them, like I was presenting my, my sexy chest to them. So it's like you were, you were Clark Kent turning into Superman, but you were Morgan turning into Captain Kirk. I was Morgan turning into someone who's not a party pooper. Okay. Just for a brief moment, and then I would zip it back up, because nobody else is in costume except maybe one or two people. But then at a certain... And this wasn't made entirely clear to me. By, like, 2.30, then there was the party. And then suddenly everyone had a costume. So then I zipped it back down again. Hi, guys! And it's a good idea. It's a good strategy. Yeah, it was a great strategy, but it made me even more... Um, on edge and anxious about it because now I wasn't sure like which part of the office should I be in costume in because everyone like is at the party area way over at the front of the place but no one in the back is in costume they're just working away so do I, do I have to like start unzipping it as I get closer to the front where the animatronic like um they had an animatronic death that would go like Rah! every time you walked past it and they'd you know, lighting and everything and decorations everywhere. Sounds like they went all out. They did go all out, but only during a very specific period of time, 2.30 to 5, and only at this one very specific part. So I got through that, but during the course of... You survived a party. I survived that party. No, but I, and I'm dead serious. I spent that entire time texting back and forth with my friend Brittany, complaining about how I hate mandatory fun. I oh, hate being it's forced. The worst. It's the absolute worst. So that was three Halloweens ago. 
the next Halloween, like, okay, well, everyone definitely goes all out. And these friends of mine have I've since made friends at, at this place because the first Halloween had only been there for a couple months. These friends of mine are talking about like their fairly complex costumes. So I should definitely do something. So I had this idea to, I got like a gray sweatshirt and gray sweatpants. And then I printed out all these like checker patterns to make it look like I was wearing one of those CGI suits that the actors wear before the CGI is applied. And it looked really good. And I spent, I was up really late the night before working on this. The next morning I'm in the shower and I'm thinking about like, how do I get to work now? Do I wear this ridiculous costume on the subway? Do I put it on when I get there? Am I going to be sitting there wearing this, like, basically it looks like I'm wearing just like a jumpsuit for the first, whatever, five and a half, six hours. And I start to get really, really anxious and my stomach started to hurt. And in the end, I just called in sick. I just didn't go. Well, that beats mandatory fun. It did be mandatory fun. I think I just went to the coffee shop and drowned my sorrows in my coffee. So I, 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 I don't work in an office anymore. And one of the things I miss the least is the fucking office party. It's they're the, the, worst. They're the worst. Cause I never know how to act. You know, the, the CEO will come down and he and his son, they'll like crack jokes. He'll sit at the head of the table and like, I don't want to be the target. Like not that their jokes are mean, but I don't want to be the, like, I don't want them to notice me. It goes back to not wanting to be noticed. I just want to do my job, get paid and go home. So this year, again, the office Halloween party, um, I have to do it because I'm part of a group costume now. My friends are like, we're going to all go as Alice in Wonderland characters. And because they've instituted this new stupid rule where for like, there's a costume contest, of course, it's a costume contest. You can't go with, you can't do a whole group. You can, the groups are, are limited to groups of two. So we're all pairing off so we can still be our group costume. But like, so I'm, I'm the white rabbit. I'm teaming up with the woman who's going as the queen of hearts. And I, I've carefully put together a costume that I can dis- disassemble and reassemble over the course of the day. So I'm like wearing a, white, a waistcoat and like a button-down shirt and nice pants. So it looks like I'm a normal human being when I'm there. And then I put on the ears when the party starts. And it's fine. And I have a decent time. But it's also that, that same annoying thing of like, this is a lot of effort to enjoy myself, supposedly. But I get through it. That's three halloween parties at work but that's not actually halloween day this is the day before halloween because halloween fell on a saturday and i had no plans for halloween day i wasn't planning on doing anything except for lynn and i lynn bixon span who i perform with had talked about going to see our friend nelson lugo do a one-man show um and nelson's great he does a fantastic one-man show called gathering the magic it's part storytelling part magic i'd seen it once before it was fantastic lynn hadn't seen it before so we're like, okay, we'll do that. Maybe we'll go up to QED. They're doing a, um, some show, Halloween-themed shows up there. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I get ready to go out. I'm on the train heading up to meet Lynn, and two things occur to me. The first is, oh, shit. Nelson's show is at the Tank Theater, which is just off of Times Square, and this is Halloween. Halloween in New York, If for those who've never been, it's just the worst. And Times Square is the worst part of New York. It is just a shit show of drunk douchebags falling over each other, bumping into each other, wearing ungainly outfits. It's everything I hate. It's crowds. It's that weird, like, it's like being in an office party because everyone's in costume and you kind of, or I kind of feel like I'm out of place by not myself being in costume. I also kind of don't want to be in costume around them. It's also, um, everybody's everybody has the feeling of they should be having fun. Yeah. Which is very similar to an office party. And then everybody hides the fact that they're not having fun pretty well. So you feel weird for not having fun. Yep. And I was definitely not having fun because the second thing that occurred to me, uh, was Lynn might've dressed up. Like, even though this wasn't, we weren't going down any Halloween parties, Lynn might've dressed up. And the trains were running terribly late. So I was going to get there really late. And the last thing I wanted to do was try and sneak into this theater. And there's no way you can get into this theater without going right past the stage and be the only person not in a costume. And my stomach started to hurt again. And I could feel the anxiety building. And I get there. And it's late. Um, it was a half an hour into the show. The show, it turns out, turns out the show started late. So I only missed the first like 15 minutes. But still, it was firmly going on by the time I get there. 
Nelson, dear friend, wonderful guy, cracks a, cracks a remark at my expense as I try to sneak in. Fine. I deserve that. Whatever. Lynn's in costume. Not an elaborate costume. She's wearing a Dalek dress and like a blue wig. But she, or maybe like a black, whatever. She's wearing a wig. But she's in, she's in a costume. And had I known she was going to do that, had she mentioned, I could have grabbed something. Even just like my Transformers, like Optimus Prime shirt or something, just so I didn't feel completely out of place. So now I'm spending this show they should be enjoying with more anxiety building because, well, if she's in costume, maybe she knows something I don't about the thing at QED, the show. Maybe that's a costume thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject for Please. a second. I like that in all of this, you've got, you, you sort of observe people anthropologically to find out what you should do. It never sounds like you ask. It never occurs to me to ask until too late. And that is a perennial problem in my life where I'll have these realizations just after I should have had them. And I think a lot of it is anxiety pushes them out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Like anxiety builds and builds and builds. And then the solution to the problem, which of course is just ask, doesn't occur to me until it's too late. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, well, I always, I mean, for me, anxiety, like, makes me uh, uh, realize I should ask and then get terrified of asking. That also happens, yeah. Um, but in this case, like, it just didn't occur to me that she might show up in a costume until I'd already gotten on the train. Um, so the show ends, and we're going to head over to QED, but, like, now my heart's racing. I'm There's people everywhere. I'm having a genuine panic attack, and I... I don't have panic attacks regularly. The last one was the one I mentioned on the show um, previously, and those are the only two panic attacks I've had in like a decade. No, that's not true. In about, let's say, five years. Because um, um, when, when my mom died, I had them a lot. But um, they're not something I normally have, and to have two in fairly quick succession has, is unusual. Um, and, it got, and it was really bad, and Lynn was very nice about it. She's like, well, do you want to just like, we can go grab a bite to eat and just sit down and like relax and see if it passes. And at first I'm like, all right, let's go find a restaurant. And then I'm like, nope, nope, got to go. Got to go right now. And because all I could think about was just locking the door of my apartment, turning out the light and just being in like a sensory deprivation chamber. It was just too many people, too many conflicting thoughts in my head. And I just needed to shut it all down for a second. And the problem, the delightful thing about my body is that when I get really anxious, my body internalizes it and turns it into useful diarrhea. And that didn't happen until I got on my train and I had an hour trip because the trains were running slow and it hit almost immediately. There's, and this is one of the problems I have with New York is there are no, finding bathrooms is hard in New York. Just finding a place where you can just like sit down and not have to pay money is in and of itself difficult. So I'm just like, oh, well, I'm on this train. I'm not, I'm not going to get off at a random stop and try to find a bathroom because if I don't find one, then I have to get back on the train and I've lost more time. So I just spend the whole trip back, the hour trip back, doing my countdown meditation, which I do when it gets really bad. I'm just counting down from 10 over and over and over again, trying to ignore everything that's going on in my body and everything that's going on around me because, of course, the train was packed with douchey, drunk, Halloween idiots. Um, Side note, I've discovered there's something worse than a drunk Halloween costume wearing teenager. And that is a drunk Halloween costume wearing middle-aged adult Mm. because they're trying to relive their youth and they are even louder and even more obnoxious. And I hate them even harder. That's my story. I'm just going to throw this out there as a, uh, maybe a tip for you for next year. Um, because it is Halloween, if you ultimately did have diarrhea, and it didn't work out, you could just say, <laughs> I'm in costume as a person who had diarrhea. <laughs> That's true. And I'm really committed to it. Really, yeah. I'm a melting diarrhea. Hershey's kiss. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like, it's the only day of the or year. Or you just say, I sat in somebody else's diarrhea. This, it's Halloween in New York. I'm sure that happens this, quite frequently. This is the grossest story. Uh, this, I'm this, so sorry. You guys have got to stop mentioning the word diarrhea. I can't. Do right. we want to move? All right. All right. So, yeah. So, that's that's my thing. Um, I'm sorry you had a panic attack, though. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. Thank which, you. Which means we are two episodes away from Dave having a panic attack in Times Square. <laughs> oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Everybody watch out. else has had a panic attack in Times Square. Um, I don't think, I mean, I've, I've had panic attacks infrequently. I don't think I've ever had one in Times Square, though, which Good. is weird because that's the place to have them. Um, all right, I'll tell my story. 
Um, so uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, pretty much the entire time we've been doing it, I've been training for the New York City Marathon, um, uh, which was on November 1st. Um, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you might have gotten the correct impression that training was terrible um, this time around. This is uh, I've run three other marathons, two New York twice, uh, and Dublin once because I'm a fancy lady, and um, uh, this is definitely the most difficult uh, training I've ever had. Um, and I don't want to go too deeply into that because uh, I talked about it a bunch. Um, training kind of consumes your life uh, when you're doing it, and uh, if you're not somebody who uh, runs a lot, uh, running becomes like your thing of like, uh, when, when you're, when you're, when your friends turn into kid having zombies, like that's all they talk about. So the first couple, first, when you begin running, uh, running's all you talk about, but also, um, uh, it, it is a little consuming. Like it, it takes up a lot of time to run that long and to learn to run that long. So, uh, it's made for, if nothing else, the, 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 the stuff of story because it was what I was doing. Um, but I've talked about it a lot. So just a quick recap in case you missed any of my stories. I've, I injured myself twice this season. Um, uh, once in each Achilles tendon that, that, uh, took me out for about a month, um, in total. And then, um, uh, around the middle of the season, both of Kelly, my wife's grandparents, uh, passed away within about two weeks of each other. Obviously it was incredibly, um, difficult for everybody and, and, and very emotionally draining. And the last time I recorded, uh, we recorded, it was about five weeks ago. Uh, we've, we've gone back and forth on schedule a bit and, and people were traveling. The last time we recorded, I ran 18 miles very successfully. The week after, I ran 20 miles very unsuccessfully, guys. <laughs> It was it was a very bad run. I I run at a pace where I should run about twenty miles in about eh, a little under four hours. It took over five hours, and it was not pleasant at all. Um, and it was just one of those runs where you have you don't really have a reason for it sucking, except that everything sucks so much. Why <laughs> am I doing this? Um. That was uh, that was three weeks before the marathon itself was set to happen, and and it and it triggered uh, another injury, which is I got plantar fasciitis in my left foot. And plantar fasciitis, uh, if you don't know, the plantar fascia is a tendon that runs under your heel and through your arch, and when and it often becomes inflamed in people who run a lot, and when it does so, you step on it because that's where it is, and then it hurts more. Um, so the weekend after I was scheduled to run 20 to 22 miles, and instead Friday night I drank a lot and said, fuck that, I'm not running, because um, it hurts. Weekend after that, uh, I was scheduled to start tapering off, because now there were two weekends before... Uh, you uh, uh, run the marathon, theoretically, Dave. Um, and um, to be clear, you're also supposed to run during the week, <laughs> like three to five miles here and there, do some hill training. Sure. And by that point, I was not um, because it hurt <clears throat> to run, but also I was sort of um, cranky about the entire thing and being a big baby. Um, so the weekend after, I didn't run again. And that uh, left one weekend before the marathon, which, uh, instead of running, I, uh, flew to Nashville and saw my brother and the, the, the two, uh, cutest niece and nephews in the world. Uh, my, my, my twin niece and nephew, they're both four. So, um, uh, and the background on that is that my wife, uh, was performing in Nashville on that Saturday evening. Um, and I flew to go see her perform, but also to see my brother, uh, who lives down there, and his kids. Uh, and she had driven down a few days beforehand with her part comedy partner, and they did a show on the way in Columbus, stayed the night, and then drove to Nashville and did a show there. So I caught up with them there. 
I uh, flew out at uh, about six in the morning on Saturday, so got up at four thirty. Uh, we arrived in Nashville about nine local time. By eleven thirty, I was in an establishment called Bounce You at a, uh, a a birthday party for my niece and nephew's best friend and twenty five of their best friends. Which I'm going to say is a lot like Halloween in Times Square. <laughs> uh, Bounce You, if you don't know, you walk in ba- the door of Bounce You. I did not know what Bounce You was, so I, uh, I'll just introduce it to you the way I was introduced to it. You walk in the door, and there's a waiting area where if you uh, have a child, they give you a form to sign that says your child's going to die. Sure. And we're not I expect nothing less at Bounce You. So after, the, after you sign away your rights to your child, uh, they take you over to a place where you can watch a safety video that everybody screams through and ignores. <laughs> Just to be clear, is this Bounce U-Y-O-U or U as in is Bounce University? Bounce University. Right. Uh, yeah. Fully accredited. Okay. Um, uh, and also, what is the age range for these these youngins at this I mean, accredited my, university? My niece, and nep- my niece and nephew are both four. Mm. Um, so it was in the range of three to five. So really, any sort of a safety video is going to be probably beyond. Yeah. 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 Uh, and But they got to they watch it. Sure. I'm impressed that they all did well enough on their SATs to get into Bounce U. Yeah. I know, I know. It's, I, it, I mean, there's, it, there's a little cheating. There. It, <laughs> what? <laughs> Scandal. Uh, yeah. so, We're breaking news. So anyway. There's some doping that went on. After we pass through the ivy-colored <laughs> covered halls <laughs> of Bounce U, uh, they take you to the first room, which is filled with bounce houses. It, well, that uh, like would... Inflated bounce houses, but they're not like just like castles and shit, though there are a couple of those. It's like ones that have like slides and um, uh, basketball hoops and cargo nets and stuff for the kids to hurt themselves on sure. and find innovative ways of falling on each other and um, uh, breaking themselves. So uh, the first room, you're in there for about 30 minutes, and then they move you on to the next room, which has different bounce houses. Uh, it was at this point I took out my phone and started reading a, read, reading up on Bounce Youth franchises, which cost about three quarters of a million dollars to set up. <laughs> and the, uh, the one interview I read with one, a guy who owns one is uh, that the uh, the biggest challenge he has is keeping the place clean. Um, so you can imagine. It is like Times Square Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So uh, after about an hour, they usher you into the final room. Uh, which now that everybody's been turned over a bunch and had their stomach flopped around, they they, they serve them dominoes. Um, and <laughs> P.S. I had not really eaten very much that day, and the pizza was definitely for the kids, but also the kids were like busy putting their hands directly into the <laughs> boxes, so I didn't really want to get like you know whatever whatever the kid version of whatever disease they have is. So. Um, uh, and then they give him a bunch of cupcakes and soda just to certify that the ride home will be a living nightmare. Um, my brother and I, uh, at this point, my wife had to leave to, um, uh, go teach a workshop, uh, on the, on the comedy that she was doing. So, uh, she left and my brother and I eventually collected the children and, and took them back to the house. We hung out there for an hour or so. And then, uh, my brother's babysitter showed up. And we, uh, and he and I took off and uh, de-stressed a bit with a few drinks (laughs) Um, and then uh, went and watched my wife do her show. And her show was great. Uh, It was at a a place called City Winery. So I had a couple more drinks. (laughs) And it is at this point that I'll remind you that I had basically eaten nothing that day. So uh, by the end of the show... um, I, uh, I I was loopy on sugar and alcohol and really had and 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 just needed to go home. So I didn't eat anything basically. Woke up at six in the morning. We got home about uh, eleven thirty twelve. Woke up at six in the morning. The bathroom on the first floor was next to the bedroom and that I was sleeping in with my wife. And the kids' room was on the other side of it. Woke up from a, to to a screaming from the bathroom. That was just, I made a poopy. <laughs> uh, that was Kelly? That, right. my, my wife had uh, lost her mind. Yeah. Um, uh, and so uh, my nephew, 
Ethan, who I'm going to call by name because this is embarrassing to him, and hopefully someday he will find this document somewhere on the internet and be embarrassed by it. My nephew uh, shrieked for a solid 10 minutes that he had made a poopy before my brother woke up upstairs and came downstairs. Was it a shriek of alarm or of pride? Initial pride, then alarm, as he did not know what to do about it. Oh, right, of course. Um, So my brother eventually came downstairs. But at that point, we were pretty much awake, uh, which was great because we packed up our stuff and then got in a car and drove back to New York from Nashville, which is a 14-hour drive. Uh, because And the reason we did that was because the flights back were insanely expensive for some reason. So we drove back 14 hours. My, my wife's uh, comedy partner did all the driving. Wow. His name is Justin Peters, and he is apparently a tank. Um, and he's... It, it, it was a very, it was actually a really fun ride. Um, uh, not great for sleeping, but great for having fun. Uh, me, Justin, uh, Alexa, Alexa, his wife, and um, uh, my wife, Kelly. And uh, I'll also say this, the Hagerstown uh, uh, Applebee's is staffed by the nicest people I've ever met. And if you show up there at 1030 at night, they will be super sweet to you and i'm not even lying this was like one of the nicest groups of people i've ever met send us for potato skins applebee's <laughs> anyway uh we get into new york at like 2 30 in the morning wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and go to work on monday um and uh then again work on tuesday wednesday was my grandfather-in-law's wake um he had passed over the summer but he had passed directly after uh, my grandmother-in-law. So they had you know, put some time between the two of them. So we went to Connecticut, uh, stayed over in Connecticut, uh, and then came back on Thursday. And it was at about this point on Thursday. And I, I don't want to say too much about the wake, not because um, I don't have thoughts on it or whatever, but like it's not really, um, it doesn't really feel right to... Uh, talk about it. Uh, enough people that I love dearly were affected by it and have their own thoughts and, and, and all the complicated stuff that surrounds death that I don't really want to talk too much about it except to say that Grandpa Charlie was an amazing person and I loved him very much uh, and we'll miss him and of course going to uh, that event is going to be um, emotionally very um, intense. Um, so uh, we came back Thursday and it was about this point that I was like, I have a marathon to run in three days. And that seems like a really bad idea because <laughs> I have not run a step in three weeks. I'm exhausted in every conceivable capacity. But I didn't make any decisions. I decided I would uh, go. I went to the Marathon Expo on Friday uh, evening, which is where you pick up your bib and uh, they, they, they put together, like, a, a pop-up mall in the convention center on the west side of Manhattan that you kind of have to walk through after you get your bib, where they sell you, like, a bunch of uh, running stuff if you want it, which I didn't buy. But it's usually pretty energizing, but I don't really feel anything about it. Um, so that's Friday. I came home. I got sad because I was thinking maybe I'm not going to run this marathon. And I uh, and so I ate about six slices of pizza and fell asleep. And Saturday I, wo- I woke up uh, and I saw I made any decisions. And my, my wife got really excited that I was going to run the marathon the next day. Because I hadn't talked to her about like my doubt about the whole thing. But part of my doubt was simply like I'm a dog walker. I make my living on my feet and I've injured myself so many times. <laughs> doing this thing that I don't really need to do. I, I, I raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society by running, um, but nobody's going to ask for their check back if I don't actually run the marathon. Um, but my wife was like, I've mapped out everywhere. I'm going to see you on the course, and she showed me. It'll be at mile 11, mile 14, mile 18, mile 21. And I was like, oh, fuck. fucking supportive wife Uh, shit so I was but I was kept thinking to myself well you know I can I can just not show up you know like if I just don't show up not running the marathon I put out 
like my running gear and my clothes and my bib, went to bed. I was like, I can make a game time decision. And then I woke up and I ran a fucking marathon <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> uh, part of the thing that was great about it, by the way, is that Saturday was Halloween. It was Halloween right before the marathon, and I had every excuse not to go to any of that horror shit. That is great. Um, but I woke up the next day and ran a marathon. And um, about that, I'll say a few things. One, I've run New York now three times. And this was the fastest I've ever run New York. Nice. So apparently this do not do anything i did <laughs> nothing i did or, or or any success i had should be taken as any gospel and uh, this is not running advice but eat eat six slices of pizza on friday night and don't train for about three weeks um uh i had an amazing run i i uh, like uh, if, if this was a career it would be a career run for me um uh, knocked six minutes off my best New York time, uh, missed my best overall time, which was Dublin by three minutes, and Dublin's a flat course. New York is known as a marathon killer. It has like seven huge hills in it, including one from mile 22 and a half to mile 24, which slaughtered me. Like uh, going up that, I, uh, I started doing the Serena Williams thing of screaming, come on, at myself, <laughs> which is... Not a good look. Um, uh, it's a great look on her. Not a good look on a doughy, pasty, white, di- bearded dude, like slogging <laughs> slowly up a, a, a not very impressive hill outside of Central Park. Uh, but it got me to mile 24 uh, when I started get, which is, you know, about when I started collapsing. At mile 25, and I knew I had to get there, uh, I, uh, I saw the spot where uh, two years ago, which was the last time I ran New York, um, my grandmother-in-law was standing, uh, or at the time she was, she was sitting. She was using a walker with like uh, one of those seats on it, and she was sitting when, it, when we ran up to her. And um, when we ran up, she, she stood up and gave us both a hug. Uh, so I saw that, that point, and uh, that was about when I allowed myself to believe I was actually going to run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, uh, and, and at that point you turn, because uh, you've gone through Central Park. You go through all the boroughs, you, which is why there are so many hills, because you run over every, basically every fucking bridge in the fucking city. Um, uh, and each bridge is about a half mile hill. But... Uh, um, I'd, I'd beaten all the hills, I'd, and at that point, you'd run through Central Park, and you turn um, uh, out of Central Park and run cent- down Central Park South at 59th Street. And then you turn at Columbus Circle and go back into the park. And that's uh, where you pass mile 26, and then the last point, too. So as I'm coming down mile uh, 25, like finishing mile 25, and I can see the banners for 26. This is a, a, a throwback to a story I told a few episodes back that hopefully some people who've been paying attention will, will recognize. A falcon passed right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, it made eye contact with me. <laughs> and it was at that point I thought, yeah, not only am I going to finish this, I'm going to run this in really hard. And I started speeding up and I raced in those final, like that final quarter mile. And like I said, um, I uh, beat my personal best time for New York, beat my personal best, uh, second, second best marathon ever. And really pathetically undertrained, almost, almost criminally undertrained. It should not have happened. And I was thinking about that I think one of the things that's very easy to lose touch with, is certainly if you're an anxious person like myself, but also if you're just, like, if you're a modern person, and this is very much a, 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 a white people problem, but um, it's very easy to lose touch with the evolutionary badass that you are. We are extraordinary creatures, but if we don't have to be, or we don't make it, you know, a habit of being it, we kind of forget that, like, you know, our ancestors walked across land bridges 
on on broken legs, you know, shit like that. My my ancestors, uh, you can go back pretty far in my family. Uh, uh, in Austria, uh, the Jewish side of my family were known for being mercenaries. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. And I am me. So I don't know. Uh, take from that what you will. It's very. It's uh, one of the things about this podcast that I do. Uh, you know, not to be too manifesto. I do try to not uh, get too um, narratively archy on some of my stories because it seems false sometimes to do so, but feels like this is the end of a bit of a chapter. I finished this fucking marathon. I, I fucking actually did it. Cool. Nice. Yeah. And congratulations. Yeah, congrats. That's phenomenal. Thanks. For seeing that falcon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Flew right overhead. <laughs> right overhead. If only he'd killed a pigeon on the way. <laughs> um, just, I, I don't want to ruin it for you, but um, that was me. I trained him. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, and you it, barely it gave, trained him, and he did really well. It gave, yeah. me, the, it gave me the go power to finish. <laughs> yeah, no, that I would, you know, uh, like, I wanted, I wanted to be there for you. Thanks. So, uh, all right, I guess it's my turn. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, if you're like, hey, Dustin's pretty good at this podcasting thing, uh, which I hope you are, uh, but you're probably not. But if you are, like, that's because this isn't my first podcast. Uh, it's not? What? No. Bo, bo, bo. Cheater. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Jezebel. <laughs> um, this is actually my third podcast. Uh, I, uh, I have two previous ones. I have one called The Comedy Nerds, uh, which had 212 episodes. Um, so if you'd like to listen to stuff that I've said... You have 212 chances to do it. Um, uh, and I did that because uh, I do comedy and I wanted to talk about comedy. Uh, my other podcast, which is a little less funny, uh, is a podcast called Going Blind Sucks. Um, and I did that because I'm going blind and it sucks. And I felt I needed to talk about it. Uh, so, uh, and actually the, the reason was um, that nobody else was doing it i was looking for a podcast that like was honest about it and wasn't just like hey you can use this stick to make you walk better like there was all these like fucking uplifting podcasts out there about it and i was like i'm not uplifted i don't like that that, this doesn't resonate with me in any way so well i want to talk about that um and but i don't want to monologue so i'll do it with Joy, my wife, and she'll be like my my sidekick or whatever you want to call it, and we'll uh, and we'll talk about it. And I did that podcast for um, for about a year, uh, but I think we only did like fourteen episodes uh, because it was emotionally draining, you know. Because it was we were talking about what we were going through. Uh, so somewhere around like the end of two thousand and twelve. Uh, we stopped doing it. Um, it was around the same time we stopped doing Comedy Nerds and like um, Studio 3A, which is where we are right now, kind of got torn apart for a little while and there were other things and we just didn't have an opportunity to do it. We're hoping to do it again um, in the not too distant future. Um, anyway, uh, so I hadn't thought about it too much for a while. Uh, and then I got, uh, I was checking Twitter and I got a mention from somebody saying, hey, follow me so that I can direct message you about something. And so far, like, that's never been a thing that I wanted to do. You know, like, anytime somebody's done that, it's like, I want to sell you, you know, Google AdWords or some bullshit, you know, kind of thing. Um, but the guy seemed like a real guy. Um, so I did. And uh, it was a guy who was reaching out to me because um, he was sort of a uh, producer or whatever you want to call it uh, on a podcast about podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the premise of the podcast was um, that so many of the more famous podcasts uh, sort of have a, a corporation behind them and a marketing thing and, and all that uh, and or a celebrity uh, and there are plenty of podcasts out there that sort of deserve to be listened to, but nobody's fucking listening to them, you know? Um, so they go in search of 
podcasts that deserve listeners that don't get them. Um, and they don't have an episode out yet. It's probably launching this December. And so I don't know the name of it. Uh, and I had not heard of it. Um, but I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, and they were like, hey, you know, we came across Going Blind Sucks. And we'd like to talk to you about it. Um, can you do it, like, tonight? And I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. Like, do you want me to come to where, I don't know where you are. Because, they, like, they were in Brooklyn. Um, I found out they were in Brooklyn. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, you know, and I sort of got nervous. Because, um, like, I, I don't know. It still felt like Did a scam. Did you say to them, you know I'm, I'm going blind, right? Like, it's <laughs> like be hard you, why are you making me places? come to you? Yeah. Uh, well, no. Uh, and ultimately, like they, um, the, um, like maybe like half an hour after the initial thing, they, um, the the person sort of like we were doing this all over like Twitter, you know, Twitter direct message, um, hit me back up on on that and said, you know what, we should probably also have your wife on because she's your, you know, your co-host. Um, and you guys have a really good sound system, or you guys have a really good microphone system. Why don't we just, why don't you just record at your house and we'll do the whole thing uh, over Skype? Um, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's convenient. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that tonight. Um, and I was flattered and excited, and I instantly realized I was like, oh, I should probably go back and and listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's been three fucking years since I've done it, and they've probably just listened to it. And I don't want them to ask me a question that I don't know the answer to because they're like, "Oh, what were you thinking on this?" And it's like, oh, "I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what the hell you're talking about." Uh, so I basically had uh, the subway ride home from work to listen to the 14 episodes that we had done, and. Um, I know this makes me an irresponsible well, podcaster. For, fortunately, like your subway home ride, your subway ride home is fourteen hours long. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, it's forty-five minutes long. It was. It, I had to cram. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, th- I know this makes me a bad, bad podcaster. But once I once we've done the first like three or four episodes of a podcast, I stop listening to my own podcast because I'm there. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. I know what's happening, so I don't go back and listen. Uh, so I hadn't listened to this podcast. Um, so the very first episode that I had listened, uh, I went back to listen to was an episode, um, about genetic testing. Um, and one of the caveats or not cave, or one of the things about the podcast was, uh, I produced it. So, um, I never told Joy what it w- what we were going to talk about until like three minutes before we we started recording, and we didn't talk about what angles we were going to take or anything like that. Hmm. Um, so we always ended up going um, someplace I didn't expect us to kind of go, uh, and that particular episode. Um, what we basically got into was the fact that I uh, I didn't want to go for genetic testing because I didn't think there was a good enough potential positive outcome, and I was sick of failing. Hmm. And what would the genetic test have shown? Either way, uh, it would have it would have potentially given me an opportunity to be in a clinical trial. Gotcha. Um, but the way that it was working, oh, yeah, I remember that episode now. Yeah, uh, the way that it w- was working out, like and eventually we figured out a different thing. But the way we thought it was originally going to be was that um, they would test for it, w- it was like a thousand dollars per like test, and they would test for like one gene at a time, and they only had twenty five that you could really recognize. So you may potentially find tw- you may potentially spend twenty five thousand dollars, and they may not find anything. Wow. Which I was like, no to that. Um, but the um, listening back to the episode, um, it's you never record an argument that you have with your wife, you know. Mm-hmm. And this was that, but it wasn't an argument; it was a discussion, and it was the rawest discussion I think I've ever had. You know, like we strive on this podcast to try and tell the more raw version of the story. 
than we would on stage because it's so like new and we haven't told it before. Um, but, but it's all, you'll never get there. We'll, we'll never get there because it's one, in this case, it's one person telling a story and I'm going to put in the stuff that I think is flattering to me. And I'm going to put in the, the things that I think that you need to know. So I, I'm creating the narrative. Right. And also you're doing it with your wife and like you guys are going to obviously talk with each other in a certain way. Like right. Morgan, I are, I keep asking, but he's not marrying me. Right. Look, I'm sorry. I'm just, I like being a bachelor friend. Just friending around on the side. Uh, I've gotten bachelor friend zoned again. Uh, but yeah, but that that particular episode was weird listening back to because because it was that raw, you know. It was right. that that exposing ourselves and having the actual discussion because we felt like that's what we needed to do for our audience. Had you not had this discussion really at that depth before, like not you really not made a decision, not in that way. Hmm. So. Joy spends probably a third of the episode crying. Wow. And, I, and I'm trying to kind of talk her through what I'm feeling, but she won't back down. You know, like she won't, we won't say, let's talk about this later. We won't mm. say, uh, you know, uh, we, won't con- we won't concede each person's point. She'll call me out on fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's the only time I think that a, a person can go and listen to a recording of an argument that they had with their wife. Hmm. And three years later, it's a very bizarre experience because now you can hear it like a bit more removed, you know, a bit more um, compassionately. At the time, you're defending yourself and you're making sure that like you're understood and all that. But this was the first time that I could sit there and listen to her, um, you know, like, he, listen to her side. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, crap, this is actually, like, way different than I remembered it being. You know, like, this is this is a whole different thing. So and uh, I, I do actually, rem- I listened to that podcast, and I do remember that episode. It was, I mean, like, this is a weird way to to talk about hearing your friends arguing, but it was super compelling. Like it would, really, like you guys were ballsy as hell and gutsy as hell for putting that online. Oh, thank you. Like, uh, really, it, it, I, I remember thinking, "Wow, this is this is a lot." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mm. uh, so I, I crammed that and a bunch of other episodes, and like every episode's got a certain thing. That particular episode was, <sighs> um, I'd forgotten what it was. Um, so I get home and we, uh, you know, I, I set everything up real quickly, um, not really thinking about like, what's the interview going to be? How's it going to go and all that? Um, and I, I set up the computer and I set up the microphones and then I instantly, like I look over at Joy and realize that for the first time since 2012, we're in the exact same position that we were. <laughs> the last time we recorded the fucking podcast and we instantly kind of go back to it, you know, and they, we, we call up the people and they start asking us questions. And initially it's softball, like, Hey, how's it going? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and they had just listened to that episode. Um, you know, that, that is the, you know, if you're going to listen to one, listen to that one. Um, and, so their obvious question is like, well, so in the last three years, what's changed? Like, how are you guys still feeling about it? And uh, within five minutes, I was crying again. Oh, wow. You know, and sort of going into this whole thing. And we were having the discussion again because part of it had to do with like, you know, also the sense of like, couldn't we ever have kids and what does that mean? And how are we going to deal with all that? Um, and it, and it got pretty, pretty real again, you know, um, which I hopefully was good TV for those guys. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, and I, and I realized like, I realized over the course of that day, um, that when I thought back on the podcast, like in my heart 
like at the time or maybe in my brain or whatever in some organ i thought the podcast was about me because it was called going blind socks and i was the one going blind and uh, i was the one producing it and and dictating what we were going to talk about and i i gained so much more respect for joy not that i didn't respect her before i yeah i respect the hell out of her but like I realized that the podcast wasn't about me. It was partially about me, but it was equally about the trials of somebody who loves somebody who's going through something, you know? And, you know, I appreciate the fact that you said that it was a brave thing to put online. And I sort of give her all the credit for that because I would have just told the story of my bullshit, you know? Like, I would have just told... Here, I would have just whined and said, hey, here's the crap that I'm going through and, you know, here's the stuff. And it wasn't until she came in and sort of called me on it to some degree and, and, and told me what was going on in her heart in the purest, rawest fucking way because she didn't want bullshit to go out there. You know, like she didn't want to just take anything for granted. Um, so as we finished it, I, I realized like if we had, if I had done the interview by myself or if I'd done the podcast by myself, it wouldn't have been what it was if not for her. Um, so anyway, um, I'll let you guys know that that's sort of the end of my, my story. Uh, I'll let you guys know if it actually makes air and all that. Please. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, what were the what were the people interviewing you, you like? Um, very nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean they were uh, they clearly listened and you know um, super compassionate, very nice. Um, you know, seemingly very interested. You know, a lot of times like we spoke for like an hour twenty. Yeah. Um, did they expect it to get as emotionally raw as it did, or was that was that something that they were? I don't know. I, I think they were a little surprised yeah. that, that it got there and. I think there were there were decent points where we were just sort of joking, but like, mm. um, but yeah, it definitely, it, it definitely probably got a little bit deeper than I think they maybe were planning. But yeah. I don't know because I don't know what the rest of the podcast, what the rest of their things sound like. You know, yeah. I don't even I don't know if if they're gonna play twenty minutes of it or if they're gonna play like three or right. like I don't know how any of that's gonna go. Um, but it was it was a good opportunity to sort of just kind of look at something that I'd done before, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in, in a new way. And I've done a lot of stuff. Um, but I, I, the last time I got interviewed by somebody, I was in college. Yeah. Do you you think you're going to, does it, does it make you want to bring back going blind sides? It does. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely like, um, I feel like I have a whole new bunch of things to talk about because part of the fear was just, you know, uh, is every episode just going to be me bitching about the same stuff Mm -hmm. and not that many different things happen, you know, like hard not seeing stuff. Um, like I got 14 hours of it. Like (laughs) how much more do you need? Um, but there, but there's always something new and I felt so fucking awful because, um, like a week later, uh, I was reading an article that like Facebook is getting rid of their other uh, category for inbox, mm-hmm. uh, which I was like, there's another category for inbox. Yep. Um, yeah. And I missed a lot of emails to that. Yeah. And there was an email from a person saying like, Hey, I listen to your podcast and it really means a lot to me and all oh, that. Wow. And it was from 2014. And I was just like, fuck. Yeah. But you know what? Like, if you respond, I'm sure they also don't know about their other inbox. I'm sure yeah. they would totally understand and be thrilled to hear from you regardless. Yeah, I, I responded, but I don't know if I went to their... Like, so I'm going to probably right, right. friend the person and just be like, hey, I was a dick. Like, or I wasn't a dick. Like, Facebook I didn't ignore you. A dick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Facebook screwed me. But thank you for your, you know, what you said. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's it for me. Yeah. All right. So great job, guys. Yeah. Yeah. What did we learn? Yeah. <laughs> What did we learn? Um, well, cool. Uh, d- uh, anything going on in anybody's existence up till the next time we record this podcast? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's worth mentioning anything that's happening this week, since I don't think the, the episode will be up. No, um, no. No. I, just, you know, um, the ninth um, is today. 
<laughs> I realize. On uh, the 17th, I'm in a show called No, You Tell It! Exclamation point. Um, it's where a bunch of storytellers uh, write up a story, and then we trade with other with the other performers, and we each read the other person's. We've been workshopping this for weeks, and um, we're going to do a rehearsal soon. So yeah, that'll be um, the 17th at Jimmy's number 43 in oh, New I York. Oh, I love that place. Oh yeah? I've never been there. I don't know what to expect. Weird. Now... I expect good things. Uh, great beer list. Oh, I, I don't drink beer. <laughs> well, you should. I, hopefully we have coffee too. And then... Uh, Listen to me drink beer and don't run and then have run a marathon. I'm going to have six slices of pizza. Uh, and then I'm going to go to... anything I do. Have diarrhea. Uh, then the day after Thanksgiving on the 28th. That's the day after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, great. I believe it. Um, I'll be at QED in a show called Brutally Honest, A Night of Thanks. And that is at 7.30 at QED. Cool. Cool. How about you guys? I got nothing right now. Uh, Through uh, November, every Thursday except Thanksgiving, I'm playing with Hello Laser at the Magnet Theater at 8 p.m. Hooray. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Find us on all the places that you find podcasts. And if you could rate us, that would be just a delight. Bye. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.